0: Canucks Central Tuesday, it's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. We are in the Tech studio getting ready for the Canucks and Chicago Blackhawks. The dawn of a new era. Rick Tockett, the 21st head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, will manage his first game behind the bench for Vancouver tonight. And we'll dive into a lot of those conversations. Irfan Gaffar is going to join us. His take on uh, everything that's transpired around the team over the last little bit. And uh, what to look for ahead of the trade deadline as well. Plus, uh, Ian McIntyre with a great piece on uh, J.T. Miller, who is, um, well, he's definitely been under the microscope ever since signing the $56 million deal, Sat. But um, now, especially with part of the narrative being that, you know, Tocket is a guy that can harness J.T. Miller to a certain extent. I don't know if that's the correct word, but seems to be that that's one of the big reasons um Talkett is here in Vancouver is to get JT Miller going back in that direction again.
1: Yeah, and obviously it's it's one of the most obvious talking points and I do believe it you know plays a part into it but I I also don't think the Canucks looked at this higher and said, "Oh, we need Rick Talkett for JT Miller."
0: Yes. If JT
1: Miller wasn't on this team, I still think Rick Talkett would have been the guy.
0: It seems pretty evident that Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford, yes. like, Tockett's their guy. Uh,
1: exactly. Their right? relationship
0: with Pittsburgh mm-hmm. has nothing to do with JT Miller. So uh, the way that they've spoken and thinking all the way back to the end of season last yeah. year and some of the things they've said throughout the course of this season, how Tockett has been speaking over these last few days, I mean, you can see that their visions very much align on how they need to, to build out a hockey team so the,
1: the terminal it's like you know how different it was listening to Boudreaux talk about yes. <laughs> what he wanted
0: and you listen to what uh Rutherford
1: what what uh Talkit is saying about what he wants to do what they're trying to accomplish and what Rutherford what uh what Taked is saying sounds a lot like what Rutherford and what Alvin have been saying right yeah. it's like they're speaking from the same book and I think it's pretty evident they're on the same page with a lot of different things. I think it's, you know, yeah, JT, and we'll get into this specifically about him and where he needs to go and how he can bring value and how Taka can help him with it. But yeah, what Taka was brought in here to do has everything to do with him being aligned and also them believing him being able to execute what they envision this hockey team playing like.
0: And it's about building that foundation and getting more out of all the players. But certainly JT is a big part uh, of the conversation. And he did a, uh, well, there's a piece by Ian McIntyre, which we'll talk about coming up in the second hour of the show. But JT uh, sort of, I mean, he was pretty open about his struggles this season. And how it's been difficult dealing with his emotions and how much of a roller coaster ride it is. You know, he said this a bunch of times, but feeling like it's game seven game seven every night, it's it's exhausting. All of these things. And so it was just a really um I don't know, reading the the quotes, it felt like a, a more human moment from J.T. Miller than maybe we've seen earlier this season where yeah. he's just kind of open and accountable for um, how his season has gone to this point. It's It's been fine by most players, you know, what you would expect of most players, but, you know, we've come to expect a high bar from JT Miller this year.
1: And JT has been very good at saying all the right stuff post-game, like, you know, mm-hmm. he he... He said all, all the right things numerous times, even going back to last year before the previous coaching change was made with Travis Green. So I think he's done a good job of talking the talk. It's more about backing it up that he hasn't been able to do as well. But you're right. I think he went into more detail this time, and I think he was more honest this time about his, his individual shortcomings. Like, he wasn't really admitting to not trying at times or not back-checking. And he said, like, there's been a handful of times, I haven't done it. It's clear but his justification is it's not that that i put my head down and say oh i'm not going to backcheck it's that i get so mad and upset with myself i black out and for a moment i just get like paralyzed in the moment i shut down yeah essentially what he was trying to say get over it that's my answer get over it and, yeah. and i think rick talk is going to be very much like bro get over it <laughs> like i i don't care you know yeah. like it's that scene from uh, the fugitive <laughs> and he's you know Tommy Lee Jones is waving his hand saying I don't care like Mm -hmm. that's that's essentially what Rick Tockett's saying it's like yeah you can have all the justification in the world like sure like it all it's emotional it may not be fair you got to bust your ass back and if you don't I'm going to call you out and I I hope your teammates also call you out if you don't do it and I think that's where it's going to get established but I hope that JT actually does it this time because we've heard him say the right things numerous times before.
0: There's uh there's a lot about, you know, getting JT to do all of these things. You know, at the end of the day, uh it, these are like the bare minimum requirements you would like to see from an 8 million dollar player. I get it, you know, that game in Calgary, I even said, you know, what's what's going to happen? JT's going to bust his ass back and he's not going to get anywhere close to stopping the play from happening anyways. So, uh is it the biggest deal? I part of that to me is is always going to be true but it's also very relevant how it's been an issue for JT this season. Yeah. His emotions at different points the North Division year, you know, when the Canucks are generally not having success, JT's emotion, his body language can become an issue and that's something they have to overcome together and he has to overcome as a player.
1: Yeah, I mean, he absolutely does. And you know, even though there have been moments, you're right, where hey may, maybe he couldn't get back but it's more about the example you said as well like it doesn't help anybody and and sometimes yeah you're right you may not be able to break the play up but maybe something else happens along the way that you can help out and do and it's more about the example that you set. like we these are non-negotiable things if you turn the puck over if you have to chase it's a non-negotiable that you have to bust your ass to get back it's a non-negotiable that you make the line change the right way because if you don't do those things well, there's gonna be rule, there, There's gonna be repercussions for it. Like I think, you know, whether it's, you know, I don't know if they do fines or whatever, but maybe it's missing a couple shifts. Yeah. Maybe it's getting stapled to the bench. Maybe it is getting healthy scratched. Because if you imp- implement more rules, you have to uphold those rules. And there's gonna be a grace period early on when when a new coach comes in. That hey, maybe the first time it's like hey, this time it's okay, you can get away with it, but you can't do that again. But if you break rules. What are the consequences for it? Yeah. And I don't think talk. It's a taskmaster in that sense. But like Garland mentioned as well, he sets these rules up and you got to make sure that you follow those rules because if you don't, it doesn't matter who you are.
0: Well, why would look Bruce pulled out the healthy scratch on OEL? Yeah. Almost pulled it out on Brock Besser, did it on Connor Garland, Andre Kuzmenko. But why was JT never even on the radar? despite some of his struggles this year and some of these issues we've been talking about all year long. You know, part of it is Bruce is living and dying for every game and he knows JT helps him win every game or he, he believes in his lineup more when JT is in that lineup. But also you can't lose a guy. Yeah. You know, like it, 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 it is a balance in that way. Yeah. yeah, And
1: that's the way I think Boudreaux looked at it too and said, it doesn't matter. He's a soldier. And right now he's kind of out of control. But I need him on my side. Yes. Because if I lose him, then I'm screwed. And it's clear based on, even though I know um, it's based on what uh, JT himself has said, that that entire situation was wearing on them. Now, was it because of Boudreaux coaching every game like it's a game seven? But JT now on a couple of different occasions has mentioned it's exhausting. We, it feels like every game is a game seven.
0: We've been doing it since last year.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and part of it is, yes, um, uh this is a position you find yourself in with expectations. You're trying to make the playoffs, but a lot of it was Boudreaux coaching every game. Like it was Custer's last stand. It really was like every yeah. game kind of feel like he's, he's trying something in, out of desperation to see if they can win this one singular game hockey game. Well,
0: he's been on the hot seat since they started winless in seven yeah. games to start the year. Right.
1: And, and we don't have to rehash yeah. why that happened and who's at fault for that. Cause there's a lot to go around, but I think that that's been an exhausting point for a lot of these players. But ex- excuses excuses aside, you don't have that anymore. Like JT can't sit here and talk about every game feels like a game seven because the expectation isn't that you have to win every
0: single game the rest of the way. Yeah, and you know to bring it back to to Tockett and how you know this can sort of help Miller. Look, it, by all accounts, anybody I talk to that may have played around Tockett as an assistant or as a head coach, they basically all said the same thing. One, he's a beauty, <laughs> and uh, two, he's he can be harsh, but he's fair. Yeah, and a lot of guys around the league will respect that. They obviously are going to respect not only his career as a coach, but his playing career and what he was as a player. And the fact
1: that he took a he he literally took a charge for Wayne Gretzky, like the yes. whole the whole uh, you know um, uh, Operation Slapshot and yes. the whole um, gambling stuff that happened. You know, Wayne Gretzky was linked to all that. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's a sense that. Rick Tockett took the fall or like, you know, fell on his sword essentially uh, in that situation. And there's been a sense that Rick Tocket's a guy you can trust and a guy that's going to go to the wall for you. And that's why most, like pretty much everybody you talk to in the hockey world has nothing but good things to say about Rick
0: Tockett. Nothing but good things to say. And look, the Canucks need somebody that's going to command this sort of, um, I don't know if respect is the right word, but you know, command a higher level of accountability because not just Boudreaux, but even going back to Travis Green, you know, they they had their issues on yeah. getting that and really hammering in the practice habits and the line changes which were mentioned by like seven times today by Rick Tockett. So all of these things apply, but I think the biggest thing that helps JT Miller and essentially everybody on this roster is implementing more of a structure, right? A more of a system, a way of playing, playing connected. Because that's the biggest thing that this team is not doing right now is playing connected. You know, a guy uh, whether whether it's JT or somebody else drops deep to to help the defenseman break out the puck, and there's two forwards sitting at the red line. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's no short area pass to continue that breakout. It's just it happens all the time with this team, and so you know these sorts of things that we've heard talk it talk about ad nauseum already over three days. You know, I think that's what might end up helping JT Miller the most whether he's playing center or wing in the long term here in Vancouver
1: yeah and when we when we talk about what are the expectations for the rest of the season like what what are the signs that we're looking for here right I think this all kind of blends in because JT is the big topic of conversation but all of this is an extension of JT and also how this team plays in total right so if we talk about it's not game seven anymore you're not just trying to win every single game they keep they keep mentioning process time and time again and let's just go to the clip here's what um, Rick talked about to say when asked about expectations for the rest of the season and, and what they're trying to accomplish
2: anybody's coaching tell you look at their record right that's it's a result oriented business <clears throat> and there's circumstances each coach has right so obviously you' are dealt the hands you're dealt but the, dealt, the hand that I'm dealt is it's the process. It's it's the way we do things. It's the way we become pros. It's the way we play on the ice. The commitment, uh, w- you know, without the puck, with the puck. Uh, it's the way you practice, how you prepare for practice. Those are the things that I really evaluate <coughs> or, <coughs> excuse me, is something that's a, a major priority. And whether you win or lose, you got to start that foundation, and that's something I'm going to build. And then you go from there. I mean, I, I honestly, yeah, do I want to win every game? Absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I don't care what anybody says. I want to win every game. But I will say the fact that there's a lot of work to be done with the foundation here, and that's what I'm really concentrating on.
0: So there is uh, Rick Tockett today, and he was basically asked, "What is what does the rest season look like, right? You know, the, the fan base doesn't necessarily want wins. They want the best chance they can get at Connor Bedard, and his answer was that.
1: I'm not trying to win every game. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't saying that we're not trying to win, but he said, hey, it's about the process. Yes. So this is why, like, there is a pretty good chance that this team is going to have some pretty tough growing pains outside the initial surge and trying to get through this. And we mentioned this before, but I I really get the sense that we're going to have a lot of fans asking the question in maybe a few weeks, why did we fire Boudreaux for this? Yeah. But you know that's but 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 that's gonna be the thing. Like if you're breaking guys Do you down, think they could
0: be that poor?
1: I th- I mean I, I think I think what could happen is they could stop scoring goals. Right. And they're still gonna lose games and they're gonna have trouble adjusting to trying to be better defensively and they'll have some tough moments and growing pains going through it. Which which I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. I think that's you got to break these guys down and build them back up again. That's something Kevin BX talked about that happened with AV when he came in, but he had training camp and a preseason to get through it.
0: I know Gordy Locke mentioned that as even something that happened when uh, Crow took over from Keenan. all those years ago. Exactly. And also this day today, actually
1: and also go back two years ago. uh, Daryl Sutter when he took over for the Calgary Flames in the North Division from Jeff Ward and with that, oh, you got the Daryl bump and he got a bit of a bump, but then it was hard because he was implementing a new way of playing new rules and expectations and it was hard for those guys to adjust and they still lost games by the end of the season. There were questions about where are you headed? But he did the build down process. He he did the breakdown process and implementing the foundation process through the end of the season. And then through training camp next year, you were able to maybe have it more be second nature. And now you understand what's happening. It's easier for you to launch off in a new season. You saw the improvements from those teams in the year afterwards, whether it was Mark Crawford, whether it was, you know, Elaine Vigneault coming in, whether it's, um, it, it was even, in other situations that were similar. So I think like the Daryl Sutter one, for instance. So, yeah, I really think we could see some pretty bad hockey or at least some results-wise. Un- results wise, and people might wonder why this happened. But I think that's the process they have to go through.
0: You, I don't think you can judge the first 30-some-odd games. Well, it's pretty clear you shouldn't be judging the first 30-some-odd games yeah. from Rick Tockett just on the win-loss record. And I know I've, I've gotten a ton of messages about his win-loss record through his career um, in Tampa Bay, where they were just trying to keep their heads above water. Yeah, they had some talented players there. Um, you know, Marty St. Louis, Vincent LeCavalier, Steven Stamkos early on in his career. All of those things are true. Uh, but you know, they were barely above solvency. That was a very dysfunctional organization. The Arizona coyotes under yeah. John Chaka, very dysfunctional themselves. You look at the rosters that they had. He had them on track for the playoffs in the bubble year, and it was sort of falling off the tracks by yeah. by the time the season was shut down. But you know he had them at least playing a defensive structure that got them into the conversation with a roster that I don't think many of us, Really expected to have in that conversation. So much to the point that they went out and they traded for Taylor Hall mm-hmm. and brought him into that team. You think about um, a couple of stories that I've read over the last couple of days. Sidney Crosby, big fan of Rick Tockett, after a story from Josh Yo came out in Pittsburgh today. Uh, Steven Stamkos attributes mm-hmm. a lot of the two way ability he yep. learned early on in his career to Rick Tockett. So I think those are the things while yes, growing pains are for real and likely, you know, you're going to have to start to see some level of progress in how they're yes. playing more so than just the raw results of it. Well, I know we're going to go to
1: another clip here from Rick Talkett, Dan, but I think this is where really we can, if, if we're looking at, okay, like re- forget results, but what can we watch and what can we evaluate in terms of tangible improvements in how they play hockey? line changes, yeah. right? That's one for instance. Like a very easy one.
0: Um this is like really breaking it down. Like yeah. this is what we talk about when we, when when he says foundation, that's where we're at. Like let's <laughs> let's get the line changes right, guys. I know and this, this is the type of stuff that drives me has driven driven us
1: nuts about this team because yes, they have shortcomings. Of course they do. And 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 everything but they're doing the simple things wrong. Yeah, yes. There's no excuse for this. There's no like, oh, you're not getting goaltending. You know, Jim Benning saddled you with bad contracts. Does that mean you got to change? You got to change like you've never played hockey before? Yeah. Does that mean you don't know which which lane to put your stick in? Like, give me a break. Yeah. You're playing in the... If I know this stuff, trust me. Like, you know this stuff. You're in the
0: NHL. These guys have played hundreds of games. I refuse to believe they don't understand these things. Exactly. And and that's where we're at with the foundation. And, and you know, one of these things, early signs... Um, play without the puck. Uh, talk it, talked about these things today.
2: To me, it's, 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 it's the, the play without the puck. And it's there's some little things like, you know, a, a good change or a good track, a good back check. Uh, don't dump your problems to somebody else. I think you can correct those every day. Sizzling stuff I'm not too worried about. Um, you know, what, there's a few things I want to change. I don't want to change right now because I don't want to throw too much at these guys. But definitely the, the commitment to these little things are huge. And to win hockey games uh, and be a good teammate, you know, a good – like, why would I come off late, give my problem my other buddy? Like, and it's just not the coaches accountability. I told the players, you know, I remember back in the day, if a guy doesn't come off and I got to jump on and I got to back check – don't be afraid to give the guy crap. I, I that, That's part of being accountable, not just the coaches. It's also the, the players. So have that little bit of, you know, fire to be able to do that.
0: That's uh, from Rick Tockett today on, you know, not necessarily systems being the first things that we're really trying to implement here because that could be a lot and they've only had one practice, but straight up play without the puck line changes And something we've heard from these Canucks players a ton this year, we've got to play for each other. Yeah. But simple things like that, you know, don't take a lazy change. Don't take a long shift and then leave a problem out there for the next line that's going out there. These are the the basics that Rick Tockett is trying to really hammer into this core right away.
1: Well, it's also be a good teammate. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, that's being a good teammate. Because if you put your teammate, the next guy up in a – Tough situation to have success in, it's going to not, not only is it bad for the team, but it's, it makes that guy look bad. Yeah. Like how many times do we see, you know, a bad line change, a guy has to bust his butt to get back and try to break, break up a play, and then he makes a mistake or he looks bad, but really, it's it was not a his bad fault line it was a bad, that started it. That started yeah. the whole thing, and now he's in a completely unenviable position trying to fix this yeah. mess, right? And a
0: lot of the top guys on this roster are some of the biggest culprits of these things.
1: Absolutely. So those are some tangible, easy things. I think we can watch and see if they they do a lot better. And I think he's right overall about system stuff because the system stuff, it's it's really about what to do and what not to do, oftentimes, and that stuff's pretty easy. It's more about how you execute it. And I know they talk about how you box out or little things in, and. And all those stuff, all those things, but it's also just being disciplined in your system. Like, to your point, if you trust your teammate, you're not going to get away from what you're doing or get caught in no man's land because you're trying to compensate. You're trying to look after what that guy's doing. And I think a lot of what Talk is going to be implementing, and I hope it's going to be implementing, is if that guy messes up, you stay where you need to stay. Yeah. You got to learn that this is how we play. Like, he messed up there. Sure, you got to help out every once in a while, but you can't get caught in the middle either. Like, you know, you have to get used to playing this way and not trying to overcompensate and going the other way.
0: Sometimes you can overcome one breakdown. Can you overcome two breakdowns? Yeah. Right? And that's been a huge problem. And I think that's one of the biggest things that this team really has to grow on. And that's being able to trust each other Yeah, on the ice you know and and we talk about this with Woodley you know the goalie's expecting the shot to come from somewhere are you giving him a different look you know yeah. th- th- than what is supposed to happen according to the system right and and those those are things that this team has struggled with for years now is that trust for each other on the ice and that's a hard thing to build up but you know what i think helps that having one clear mm-hmm. vision and sticking to it yeah. sticking to it through the growing pains Yes. And sticking to it so the players understand or at least have a feeling like, all right, if, once we get this down, results are going to start coming our way.
1: Yeah. And it, it depends on what your outlook is. If you come in and it's like, hey, because he, it's t- obvious that Tocket's coming in to be the coach beyond the season as well. Yes. So he's coming in and saying, It's clear where we are in the standings. We're not making a playoff push. We're trying to, you know, be professional and win and establish certain things here. But it's about the big pictures because I know people are asking, they're like, yeah, all this is fine and good. But will the players stay bought in if you're not winning games or, you know, it's hard for that to happen if you're not winning games. And that's true. But if you know, if you buy into this is a long term plan there might be growing pains early, but we're going to get through it together and we're going to come out of it being stronger and better for it because Mm -hmm. there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There's a big payoff coming if we do these things. Then I think you can have the player stay invested through the hard times because they know okay we're doing this for something else and I think that's ultimately the message that you have to have in this situation to keep players bought in for it and I think Brandon makes a good point too Uh, he thinks we're going to lose 3-1 and 4-2 as opposed to 5-3 and 6-4 which might be better because they're trying to develop defensively and not offensively and offensively you still have to create offense naturally and Five-on-five, five, this team has actually not done a good job of creating off, our offensive opportunities. They bottom, scored.
0: Bottom five in the league at actually generating chances.
1: Yeah, they're not generating enough, to be honest. And a lot of that comes from not being good enough defensively. I think all that stuff goes hand-in-hand. Hand. and They don't look, generate chances in transition. I mean, look at Elias Patterson when he's at his best, and Patterson's talked about this. He, when he's playing well defensively, he's at his best offensively. Yeah. Cuz a lot of his offense comes from creating turnovers, being in the right spot or getting the puck in transition and going the other way and taking advantage of space when he has the puck where at least he's moving north south. And those are the types of situations you want to put guys in more frequently. And maybe we'll see some of that development happen, but um I think those are some tangible things we're going to look at. And ice time, right? Yeah. Like Talk, it's talked a big game about mm-hmm. not playing guys 20 minutes. Is he going to keep guys at 18 minutes a game, 19 minutes a game? Is he going to stick with a guy? Like, for instance, an example of Jack Stanika, who we talked about yesterday. If a coach is trying to win every game, even if, if a player makes a mistake out of ambition even and had the right thing in mind, you may not trust him because you're trying to win the next game. If you make a mistake out of negligence well, you might get stapled to the bench long-term because you're making a mistake out of negligence. You can't have that, right? You're breaking a rule, for instance. But if Jack Stadnicka makes a mistake out of ambition that had the right thought to it, does he keep playing? Does he still get 15 minutes? And he'd be like, wait, all
0: right, go out there and keep Opposite playing. Opposite of how Hoaglander yeah. and Pod Kozen were dealt with earlier this year. As long as
1: you're playing well, mistakes will happen. And I'm going to stick with the process. You know, sometimes mistakes happen, but they're happening for the right reasons, right? And... We're not just trying to win every game so I can live with this. I can live with throwing you out there again or putting you in a, you know, tough situation late game to see how you handle it. Those are the things I'm looking for, right? Is he going to have the courage to have one of these young guys out there in a late game situation down a goal or up a goal just to see how he handles it? Because that's what you have to find out.
0: Uh, We often think of process over results uh, from like maybe a a Corsi or, you know, controlling the scoring chances, expected goals nowadays. But this is the way the Canucks are thinking of process over results, and that's really starting with the habits of how this team plays. It's Dan Richo and Satiar Shah. Uh, Irfan Gaffar is going to join us. His take on Rick Tockett in as head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. And what next? Are we now looking at the captain, Bo Horvat? That's coming up on Canuck Central. Central in the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You can always get in at the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. A lot of uh, discussion on the dunbar lumber text message inbox sat uh this one comes from an unsigned texter somebody should start tracking team possession and puck zone for puck zone entries uh for ends to end or for ends and start on the fly shifts could be a useful stat but let's not get that information until they trade horvath i think it could greatly reduce his return
1: (laughs) yeah a lot of players are culprits this year of doing a lot of things and you know Bo was talking about how we can't can't blow the zone for offense and we can't cheat and yeah uh, words that they all can live by a yes. bit more the rest of the season but yeah I mean you know Bo's game hasn't been perfect in that, in that regard you know and I don't think anybody's game has been perfect and we, we've we lauded at least Pedersen for the most part for doing it but yeah. it's essentially one forward
0: that's been consistent at, at doing it all season. Um, the, the only uh, like the thing about Bo is is mostly you know the 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 talk about his defensive game, right? And there's some reputation built in there that he's been a really good defensive player through his career, wins a lot of face-offs, all these things. But the reason he's had a successful year and the reason he's a plus one this year is because he's outscored his problems. Yes. Uh, Period. End of story, right? The defensive game hasn't necessarily been there. He's been a culprit just as much as others of uh, blowing the zones and bad line shifts, uh, bad line changes. Um, So, you know, the reason you know he doesn't get hammered on it as much as others do is because he's scoring a ton of goals. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you know, when the Canucks have Bo on the ice this year, they are outscoring their opponent. Well, they there's not had... a lot of Canucks that that can say that this season.
1: If you outscore your problems and you're net positive, yeah, you're ultimately doing your job. <laughs> but are you doing it enough to be a winning hockey team consistently? And that's where yes. it's, you know that's the problem where is.
0: the the bigger conversation comes from. Uh, all right. Always appreciate the text. Keep them coming, 650-650, to our live listeners. Uh, let's bring in our next guest. It is Irfan Gaffar, the Canucks insider with the fourth period. What's up, Irv? What's going on, fellas? How we doing? Uh, you know, just uh, waiting for things to calm down. I guess they are kind of calm down now that uh, the coaching change is finally in the rearview mirror.
3: Yeah, and I think that that's kind of where it should be at right now. I mean, the the Bruce stuff and everything that happened and that took place over the weekend, I think that now it's, you got to move on, right? You got to move forward. They have a game to play tonight, and, and the players know that. And the, the coaching staff knows that. And they, you know, use yesterday as a practice day and, and, and today is, you know, morning skate and do some video and, and get ready to play a game. Um, and if you're Rick Talkett, you know, you are looking at this team and you basically, like you said this morning, you have to kind of look and see what you have, mm-hmm. right? And I guess now, evaluations are also going to be happening from Patrick Alvey and Jim Rutherford and their staffs as well as to what this team is for the next little while. Sad, I saw you, you know, mention the, uh, the other day talking about, you know, what is Canucks hockey and if mm-hmm. they have to get to a way to sign a kind of build that identity. But I think even to your point and more to that is, you know, what type of brand does Rick Talkett want these guys to play. Yeah. And in the next two months, does he now have the right players to t- fill that type of brand of hockey? And I think that that's, a, that's what we're going to see happen um, over the next little while. Um, you're going to see more moves for sure. Um, I think just talking to people, I, obviously the Bruce we knew was just the beginning, but um, what you see on the ice and, and what's going to happen with this team is far from over.
1: It is. And one of the big topic talking points has been how have the players felt about all this and how are they feeling about things moving forward? I mean, obviously, they're saying all the right things now, and I think they are relieved that finally they moved off from Boudreau, not because they wanted Boudreau fired, but to finally get resolution on it, and and that's a weight lifted off their shoulders. But what do you think the general sense is with everything going on and and how these players players feel about how things have gone and how the
3: organization's handled it all? No, I mean, it was a mess, and I think a lot of people would admit that, Mm -hmm. right, for the last couple of weeks, and... Even from to be completely honest, like mid November, right? It, it just hasn't it just hasn't been good. And you know, the, it's over the last little while between you know obviously the, the the Pearson issue and all this other stuff that that's been happening. It, it does weigh a lot on the players. But you know now there's now there's a resolution, like you just said, and, and now there's stability with the coaching staff, right? Now, now there's you know you have Sergey Gonchar, you have Adam Foot, and you, and you have Rick talking You you know those guys are going to be there. For, for quite some time, obviously, you know, um Mike yo, Mike yo as well uh, being there. but I, I think from a player's perspective, you know, it's in the back of your mind that you know this is this this isn't over, but at least there's one step that's out of the way. like you you really don't know if you're going to be here next week or or when the March third trade deadline comes, right? Your number could be called at 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 any point. So I think that you know, from the player's point of view, yes, it's the first one out of the way, but in the back of your mind, you know that might have a little bit of weight lifted off your shoulders but you still know that there's probably more to come
0: you know with, with talk i mean it's it's pretty clear um he's alveens and and rutherford's guy like one thing i've i've continued to hear from from guys that used to play with talk uh or play for him as an assistant or head coach he's well respected he's a beauty uh you know is <laughs> is, is is fair can be harsh but is is always been fair you know and and that's Ultimately, like that's the kind of guy most players like, and I, I don't think it does him any disservice that he's got quite the the career resume as well as a player.
3: No, and I, I think that um, you know you, you saw him be able. I think he can command a room. I think that's one of the things that yeah. you know you can tell that he's very good at. And you know, Rick Talkett walks in, people know who he is, right? Not to say that no disrespect to Bruce. You obviously know who Bruce Boudreau is, decorated. Um, career as well and then obviously what what he's been able to accomplish as a head coach but I think this one's a little different I think the harsh but fair is probably the best way to put it because if you're looking at it just straight up from a Canucks perspective and what this team needs moving forward it is that harsh but fair criticism it is holding people um, accountable it is making tough decisions if you're not playing well then you're not playing at all And, and I think that You know, Rick Tockett. I really don't think that he cares who you are, how many points you have, how much money you make. If you're not playing well, if you're not doing, you know, whatever you need to do to help this team win, you know, you'll probably be sitting in the press box. And I think that that's uh, a good thing. I I really do. That I think that's something that this team needs. Um, You know, there's we always talk about not a lot of drivers and a lot of passengers on this team, and we're really about to find out. You know who these passengers really are in very short order, because you know you're not going to see any BS from Rick Tockett and his staff.
1: No, and one player that obviously has been discussed so much recently yeah. about uh, how he's going to fit in or why the team hired Rick Tockett. And honestly, <laughs> Earth, we, we you know we were talking about this in the first segment with with Reach that I think the team would have hired Rick Tockett regardless of J T Miller being on the team or not. But obviously, he yeah. a big influence on J T Miller. How do you see that going?
3: Well, I think it's, it's no secret that JT Miller's an alpha in that room and, you know, he wears, you know, his heart on his sleeve. You know, he's very emotional. The guy's broken more sticks than anybody <laughs> yeah. this last season and it hasn't been from shooting the puck, right? Yeah. It's been, it, it, it's, it's been out of frustration. And I think that, you know, when you look at the quotes of what JT Miller says and how he articulates the way that he feels about his game, yes, okay, he's not playing well. He understands that and maybe he gets too emotional and that's on him and he has to learn how to channel that and put maybe his emotion – when he's on the bench getting angry into different positions of his games on the ice. And I think that that's a conversation that Rick will be able to have with a guy like JT Miller, right? You know, you, you look at the way that Rick Talkin played off. You look at how he made a living and what he was able to do. And, you know, there are some similarities there to, uh, to a guy like JT Miller, right? You play on the edge, you know, you're very, you're, you are a skilled player, and, and you have to do all these different things in order to be successful. Maybe JT is just trying to do way too many of them at the same time. And then there's a reason, you know, you have a new coach. You go through all these meetings and, and, and you do your one-on-ones. And if you're the head coach, you probably are trying to pinpoint who you need to pay the most attention to very early on. I, I remember when, when, when Bruce was brought in, how much time did he spend with Niels Hoglander in the very beginning? You know, people were talking about him wanting to learn all about Niels Hoglander and this and that and the other. And I mean, I obviously don't know how that worked out. But um, I'm not saying that J.T. Miller is going to Abbotsford, but or, well, we'll see what happens, but I don't think he's going to. But, um, you know, it's a conversation, and and I think that for guys that are on, like, for a guy like Adam Foote and a guy like Rick Tockett, I think JT Miller is, like, a really good project for them right now, right? You've got a guy that has all this potential in the world to be a really, really, really good hockey player. He's your big money guy, so you know there's a lot of pressure on him, but how are you able to channel his emotion and turn the negative that what we all see night in and night out into a positive?
0: Irfan Ghaffar, our guest. Uh, so you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but uh, moves on the way. And we know the major surgery comment from, from Rutherford last week. Uh, of course, you know, the biggest one is is still with Bo Horvat, who's kind of in an interesting spot here where, you know, his uh, time as a Canuck may be coming to an end, and here they've got a new coach. Um, but that aside, you know, where are we at right now with, with Bo and, and how those things, uh, those conversations are going?
3: Uh, I think they're still going. Um, I think that with what Elliot reported on the weekend about the Canucks narrowing it down, I still think the group of teams is probably just over a handful that pro- that have some serious interest in Bo Horvat, and it's a matter of who's going to present the best offer. Um, the Canucks have not received an offer, clearly, that they've liked from any team, for that matter. Otherwise, Bo Horvat would have been traded by now. right? And that's just the reality of it. So I think when you saw what Jim Rutherford had to say about Bo and, and all that last week, and we, when we talked about it as well, um, you hear that, you know, there's they, there's a conversation that may have happened with, you know, Bo's camp and Jim Rutherford's camp. Now whether that's opening doors or, or for further negotiations or for further discussions on a contract. I'm not sure yet. I, I still do believe that the Canucks have one more number they're willing to go to for Bo, but, the more likely scenario than not, I think, is that Bo eventually does get moved at some point here, whether it's you know during the bye week after the All Star break or right at the deadline. But it's got to it's got to come in short order. And um, there's a there there are a, more, a little bit more than a handful of teams that are that are still very much so interested in in Bo's services. And it's it's going to be really up to up to the teams and, and, and what they decide to offer yeah. for them, And is Bo willing to sign long term anywhere? Or is he going to go as a rental somewhere and then hit the open market so is that is that another situation that that that's going to happen but I do really think, just turning it around again, I, I do really think that there's the Canucks have one more number that they're willing to go to for both.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I know uh, there have been numbers that, that have been thrown around, but I think it's pretty clear yeah. they haven't offered him the JT contract, or at least JT money. No. So, like, let's say like, we've mentioned this so many times, but eight years times seven. Because I wonder if, if the Canucks actually make him that offer, we've we been saying how badly does he want to be a Canuck? How badly does he want to leave? you know? And when you finally get to that point where you're like, okay, I have to actually go and see what's out there. And do I actually want to do it or not? And let's say that, you know, he likes Rick talking initially. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm with you. I've always said, that's why I've always said like 60, 40, I think he's going to get traded, but there's a sizable chance that he does stay. Cause what's to say that Boa looks at the entire situation and says, I'm not sure I really want to leave.
3: Yeah, it's true. I mean, look, I think that now you have the new coaching change and that's, kind of a little bit that's been taken off but at, at the end of the day like this is this is Bo's next time to cash in right this is his big money deal now if they offer him the JT money uh, I mean I, it'd be silly for Bo not to sign it uh, but I, I don't know if they're going to get that high they might yeah. but it, I mean look it, it, it's a lot of money and when you have contracts looming for guys like Elias Pedersen and then obviously we haven't even touched on Andre Kuzmenko yet um you know, and you're going to try and figure out a way to, are you going to buy out a player? So that's going to have to kind of get your cap yet. Right. And all sorts of different things that are going to happen over the course of this summer, where you are going to try to improve your hockey team. You know, what does Bo really, really, really want? So yeah, the 60 40 probably is kind of their sat. Um, I don't know. I, I've always said that, you know, Bo's a big time Vancouver Kanaki. He wants to be here. You know, he loves the city, you know, his family loves it here and he's a big community guy and, and all of that. But just the way that this year has gone, I think that might have changed the tune a lot, to be completely honest. I think that, you know, before the season, yeah, sure, he was pissed off, played with a chip on his shoulder. And then I think that, you know, you see how things have kind of progressed here over the year with the offer. And then you see what happens with, you know, the whole Boudreaux situation. And then really, you know, Bo just has to look at it from a personal standpoint. says, do I really want to be here anymore? And, I mean, no one's really going to know uh, unless you're Bo Horvat. I just...
0: I, I, you know the the notion that he might get more than like sixty million bucks in free agency still seems like a lot to me. Yeah, um, but I can I mean let's say Columbus like would Columbus offer
1: eight times seven? But, also but or like, like nine times you're seven? You're gonna choose Columbus well, over Columbus Vancouver? I mean, how's that working pick, out for what? Johnny Gaudreau? They're not right? offering that. What's, that. What's that? You don't think they Columbus
3: would? is gonna try? If Columbus is also could be bad enough to get the first overall pick? Yeah. 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 Well, as a free right? agent, so you, right? you just take all those things into consideration. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, that's the, that's the question. I mean, the other thing, too, is where is Vancouver going to make this trade? Like, if they don't trade Horvat, like, where are they going to make that trade for futures and going to make the type of move they talk about making if they don't do it with Bo? Yeah.
0: They, they've got to move big money if they don't trade Bo.
3: Yeah, but good luck with that. I mean, you trying for a year. Yeah. And the, and the thing is, is, you know, you look at Bo, and he's your best. He's your, that's your golden ticket to get something in return. Yeah. Right. He, he really is. I mean, you're not, you're probably not trading Quinn Hughes unless the offer is crazy. Right. You're, yeah. you're probably not going to trade Andre Kuzmenko because you are actively trying to resign him. Yeah. So that's probably not going to happen. And then beyond that, you tried to trade Connor Garland. That's not going to work. Brock Besser, you've been trying to trade him too. That's not going to work. I mean, there's there's no, if, unless you're willing to retain salary somewhere, or take the L as we've been talking about it forever on a deal. Um something's gotta give. So if you want to improve this hockey team via a trade, it's Bo Horvat. That, that that that's the guy.
0: It's um you know, the other part of that too is like let's say on the off chance, um that they do sign Bo, right? It happens before the deadline. Yeah. We hear about that extension. You still have Besser and Garland on the books. All of your cap commitments are already made. Now you've backed yourself into a bigger corner with other GMs around the league that know. Come summertime, you absolutely have to move some money or you're kind of screwed. Yeah. So yeah, it's not a good spot to be in if, if, you're, if you're the Canucks management. You can't keep spending no. all your future money without getting rid of some of the commitments that have already been made.
3: Yeah, well, that's exactly what it is. I mean, right now they have some power yep. in a sense where, you know, this is their guy. He's playing at the top of his game right now. Why not cash in as soon as you can? Because the closer and closer and closer you inch to the to the trade deadline, you know, the more and more and more GMs are going to circle like sharks saying, "Okay, well, you're desperate now. Here's here's our final offer and you're going to take it. And it's probably not as good as the one that they're going to have on the table right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, when we're looking at trades, then at the trade deadline, is is it really do we see anything more than Horvat and, and Luke
3: Shen really at this stage? I mean, look, I think that everything's on the table. I think the Canucks would like to move more. I think the Canucks would like to move money. Um, it's just a matter of who's going to take it. Yeah. Are there teams out there that are going to take a bad contract if you don't take something back in return? And the Canucks aren't in a position to do that. Right?
0: Yeah.
3: I don't think OEL really is going anywhere. Um, you know, uh, Brock Besser, you probably, if you ate some of that salary, then maybe. I think that that one's safe. Um, other guys on the roster, I mean, are you going to trade... A guy like Curtis Lazar, like you're not really going to get much for him. Luke Shen probably gets moved. Um, we keep hearing uh, Tampa Bay, and then the Leafs might be interested in him as well. Um, so there's a guy that you think that you know, could be moved in or around or even well before the deadline um, in Luke Shen. But other than that, you, know, you have to get creative if you're Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford to try and either make a quote-unquote hockey trade or, or to try and, uh, try and improve your hockey team.
0: It's, uh, it's a tough spot. Uh, irf you're yeah. the best we appreciate the time as always all right
3: gentlemen be well
0: uh there he is irfan Gafar. canucks insider at uh the fourth period
1: yeah good insight as always
0: um it, it is tough you know as much as they've continued and and we've talked about you know the the chance that they do keep oh i just i i don't know how the puzzle pieces fit if they manage to find uh You know, a number that works for both club and player.
1: Well, you know, we were talking to Frank about this yesterday that, you know, he says you can probably move bester if you want to, but you're obviously taking a bit of an L either on the return or the money, one way or another, right? Like you're you're taking some return, maybe on both. So if you're willing to take that L, what are you doing it for? Yeah. Are you doing it to clear up enough money to just bring those guys back? But again, like where are you getting the young asset you need that you're looking for, the futures, especially know those premium assets we talk about because you're not getting it for Besser if you're not moving those guys then and then is that enough flexibility for you to build around the roster the way you want to still
0: yeah unless you're buying out OEL this summer
1: yeah and that would create 7 million which is sizable right and
0: that could essentially Bo's might be Bo's cap hit for next season but beyond that you have some question marks so it's it's a tough thing and it, it continues to be something that you can't as I said with earth it's really hard to commit more money to this roster without getting out of some of the current cap commitments you have at this minute so that's the tough part that you have to navigate as uh, as Patrick Alvin general manager of the Vancouver Canucks uh, all right we're uh, we are going to uh check in with Ian McIntyre more on JT Miller. He had a big piece about JT and how Tockett could potentially be the JT Miller whisperer. Is that what we're calling him? I think he was called the Phil Kessel whisperer before. So yeah.
1: And somebody uh, makes an, makes a comparison for a player on the roster to Phil Kessel. We'll talk about that. Uh, Keith, the water guy wonders if uh, because he was a Kessel whisperer, can he be the same for another player? Not named JT Miller.
0: Ah, interesting. Uh, All right, we'll get to that next on Canuck Central.